Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 79, The Power of Facebook Ads and Following Your Heart with Tara Zerker. So I met Tara a few years ago and we instantly became friends, but only recently did we finally get to meet in person. Honestly, she's one of the most beautiful people inside and out. She's so good at Facebook ads and she's also an incredible rock star mom of two beautiful girls. Today's episode is not really about Facebook ads. We kind of get into it, but the truth is Tara has a super powerful story. It starts as an entrepreneur at age 14, being featured in magazines because of the little business she built in her parents' house. You're going to hear more about that and so much more on today's episode. So get prepared to be inspired, to really understand what it takes to pivot in your business, and finally give yourself permission to do what it is your heart is calling you to do. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thank you. So good to be here, Emily. I'm so excited to be here and I feel blessed that I've actually finally met you in person after all these years and you just came to our live event, which was incredible. So thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Oh my goodness. Well, I have to say, Emily, you have built such an incredible community. That event was fire. I, I, it was so inspiring. And so, um, I'm just so happy and grateful I got to hang out with you. Totally. So we've known each other for a few years now. And I know that you have your incredible company, your awesome membership. But I know with everyone, every entrepreneur, there's always a backstory. There's always something that led us to this place. So I'd love for you to take us back and tell us how you kind of got here, how you began this beautiful journey in this company. Oh, thank you. Well, like for everybody, you know, it was definitely the windy road and sometimes the scenic route. (laughs) But uh, what happened was I started an agency years and years ago. We did everything, social media and SEO and, and blogging, newsletters. I mean, you name it, we did it. And one day we had a client who commissioned us to do their social media, started doing that. And they said, you're so good at this. Would you just do ads as well? And I was like, whoa, I had known nothing about this. Uh, and they were like, yeah, we know. We we're, we want you to learn it. It was kind of the Wild West and ads were relatively wow. new. Uh, it was for a hospitality company in, um, and they had an app. So it was you know, ads for an app. And basically, I got in there. And because we had really tough investors... I had to learn ads in... Well, number one, I had to learn them really well. But number two, I had to learn how to do some really interesting reporting. I had to learn a system that I could explain. Well, let's just say I had a system, but I had to be able to explain it to a room full of investors. And that forced me to create I mean, protocols and systems and when do we scale and, you know, to be able to answer these really tough questions because they would literally throw me in this, these boardrooms of investors. And I would, you know, it's like they, they could eat you alive <laughs> if you didn't come wow. prepared. So what happened was because I had to spend all that time preparing for our investors, uh, you know, we got really good. Like I had a really good system and a really good strategy for scaling and all this good stuff. And pretty soon Facebook started taking notice and and they would say, um, hey, you're kind of beating out everybody else in your industry, which it's tough industry, hospitality. What are you doing over there? And so I started sharing kind of our methodology with Facebook. And and because of that, we started getting some really cool resources and backend information, which made my system stronger and it all just fed into each other. So eventually I realized, holy crap, 
power of advertising is so insane. And I knew that was going to be my path forward. So we got rid of all of our other services, focused on this. Eventually, we you know, got so good with our clients that we wanted to bring it to the masses. And that's where we're at today. We have a really affordable membership way for small business owners to learn how to do their own ads. Super phenomenal simple, easy system. You know, people come to us and they say, I, you know, in the last 42 hours, I've gotten more leads in my company than I've ever gotten, you know, kind of winging it or trying to do this myself. So all of that has led us to where we're at today, which is teaching ads. And we love it so much. Wow. Well, take me back to before all the ads and all the social media. Did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I was just the kid with a million businesses. Um, My most noteworthy one was probably when I was a teenager, 14, 15 years old, somewhere in that range. I had a cosmetics company that I decided to take online. So it's retail arbitrage. I would go into Target and Walmart and find all the clearance stuff. And then um, I had this little email list that I was developing because I had a, a zine. Do you remember the the days of zines? Did you ever subscribe to them? No. What are zines? <laughs> zines were the first email like newsletters. And so I had this little teen zine. And it's a magazine, but online you would call it a zine. And uh, so I had this like, you know, I would like share my thoughts and teenagers would email me and say, Tara, can I subscribe to your zine? And so then I started selling these cosmetics. I And by the way, this was before HTML email. So you literally had to... It was just copy. So I would say, all right, ladies, this week I have you know Revlon's nail polish color, whatever. This beautiful crimson is perfect for fall. And they would reply back to my email and say, okay, I want, you know, I want to order one or two. And then I would mail it to them. And then they would mail me a paper check or their parents would. So this was oh way back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, Cosmo Girl, which was the teenage version of Cosmopolitan, they learned about me and they featured me. So I got this huge influx of subscribers and suddenly I needed a wholesaler. And all of this was just via email and just plain copy, no pictures, nothing. That stuff didn't exist. Payment processing didn't exist in any sort of accessible way. It was all just like the wild west of the online world, you know, way back when, 20 years ago, I guess. Oh my gosh. You were, so you were 15? Yeah, 14, 15, somewhere in that range. I should look at the exact date uh, when I first started, yeah. but somewhere in there. Okay. So was there ever anyone who didn't send you the check? Like you're giving them the product no. before you got the payment. Yes. Yes. No, no, never, never. Um, I would have a little follow-up if like, Hey, your account is over, you know, 30 days past due. I need you to send this or have your parents send me the check. But everyone always made good on their, on their. Wow. (laughs) What did your parents think with all, when all this was happening? I mean, they were just kind of like, what is she doing? But sudden, you know, there's just like these little checks coming in the mail. And I mean, this was for nail polish, Emily, it might've been three bucks. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, but there would be a lot of it. Like some days I would be sending out 20 orders. So, uh, and you can imagine when eBay came around, I was all over that, right? So I loved the internet from the get go. And um, I loved figuring it out, like how to sell to people, things that they wanted. And yeah. I think so they- I'm totally fascinated. So how did you even come up with this idea at 14, 15? Well, I think I just saw the clearance section and I had this little zine, right? So what would I write about? I would write about 
um, you know, the best babysitting tips or how to make money. Oh, it was always about how to make money for sure. Like how to make money in your neighborhood. It was like for teenage entrepreneurs, you know, like you could have a car wash business, you could bake cookies, like all the stuff I did. I had like a card rotation. I had uh, car washing in the summer, which I would hire out the neighborhood girls because I just figured out my job was to manage it, you know, like, um, so I like, Hey, you're going to the, the, you know, the, the Blackmans this week and you're going over to the Owens and (laughs) you're washing their car and then go to this house. So I just kind of learned like I could sell. And so I would just sell things and have people do the work and everyone is a win-win. Uh, so I always wrote about that in my zine. And then one day I was just in the clearance section. I was like, Hey, I bet I could sell this stuff for the full retail price. I'm getting the discount. I could sell it for full retail. And then I started figuring out you could add coupons onto it, make it even cheaper. Yeah, that's how I think (laughs) (laughs) my jaws on the floor. So did your, were your parents business owners? No. Um, so I come from, there definitely is an entrepreneurial strain in my family. Like I definitely come from, yeah, kind of a, you know, I, I wouldn't say like, no, I mean, not in any sense of like true, but, but I do have like, uh, there is like some family history of entrepreneurship and, and a lot of salesmen too. Okay. There was that. Yeah. So where do you think these characteristics came from? Oh, you know, I I would assume some of it from that, just like that sort of <laughs> DNA transfer wow. or something. But um, I don't know. I think you're just born to be what you're going to be. I mm. I always wanted to write, and so uh, and I love to write. So I kind of thought, oh, I, I'm meant to be a writer. And yet my real instinct was selling and uh, creating little businesses all over the place, everywhere, just everywhere. And so. Um, I guess that, I guess I, I just, you know, but I also love to write. So, you know, these days, of course, it's all copywriting for me. And so I love doing my own copy and that sort of thing. I don't know if I'm the best at it, but I guess I'm okay at it because we, we do pretty well. But I feel like, I feel like it was just in me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was in that way. It was just going to be who I was going to be. And then when you got into your late teens, did you end up going to college? Yeah, I went to college and mastered in, or uh, um, I studied journalism, switched to political science, and then got a master's degree in political science. So those were kind of or, um, in sustainable development was my master's. I feel like those were kind of the lost years because I was trying to fit myself into, you know, different roles, a government position and and just various professional roles and and yet in my mind, all right, so here's honestly what happened. In my mind, I just kept feeling this this calling, this longing. You know, Elsa in Frozen 2? Have you seen Frozen yeah. 2? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that like, woo, you know, that thing that just keeps calling to her. Uh-huh. That's kind of what was happening to me. And one night, and I was at the time working in a government role, you know, great future pension. I, I was really doing pretty well. It was like entry level, but I was moving up the the little little ladder. And and I just, one night, this feeling, it just kept waking me up. And this is a pattern in my life. And I am definitely a faith-filled person. I'm a believer and, and I, you know, very prayerful and that sort of thing. And I literally just woke up with this like thing, this feeling. And I, I just prayed and I said, okay, all right, Heavenly Father, God, here's here's the deal. I 
I feel like there's a future for me in doing my own thing. I don't want to do it though, because that's not the safe road and what everybody tells me. And, and I have this government role and I could really make a career here and I could have a pension. And, and so what I did was I, I made a deal and I just said, and I'm, I am now thinking through how many deals I've made with God and, uh, (laughs) My my part of it never works out. God's part always does, right? But I, I made a deal and I said, all right, I'm going to write one query letter. I will send one letter. I'll get up right now and I'll write it. It's two or three in the morning, middle of the night. I can't remember exactly what time. I get up and I write this query letter to a magazine. And I said, you know, I mean, I have zero th- anything published in the last several years. Last thing I had published was as a teenager, basically. And I just said, uh, all right. So, you know, here's my idea. I, I think of an article idea. I can't remember what it was. Here's my idea. You know, please let me know if you'd like me to write it. And I send it to this magazine. And I said, all right, if I get that, then I will pursue my own independent career. I didn't know at the time it would be this entrepreneurship journey. If I don't get it, I get to stay in the government and I just do a normal nine to five. I'll be perfectly content. 10 days later, the editor-in-chief calls me and says, I love the idea. Will you write it in 30 days? And I was like, oh gosh. That kind of set me off on this whole new track where, and I fought it, I fought it, I fought it, you know, and uh, eventually just came around to, all right, I better just, I I feel like I'm going to really miss my, my shot at whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing if I don't just follow this path. So it was a totally like Elsa and Frozen 2, you know, like, something waking me up in the night and just having to do it. Well, that's, I I do a lot of these interviews and honestly, we'll get to the Facebook ads and all of that, but I I really, to some extent could care less about Facebook ads. (laughs) (laughs) I really care about your story and it's happened. It's something that people share all the time. They're like, I had this little whisper. I heard this calling. I had this conversation with a friend and they made a suggestion. Like there's all this stuff that's leading us in that direction and pulling us. And yet so many people for so many years do fight it or they think it's not the safe route. Can I actually do this? And so there's this element of giving yourself permission to move (laughs) forward with the dream. How did you finally do that? Was it when you got the article or what had to happen? Oh man, I am not good at the permission side, to be honest with you. I just fight things and fight them until... So I have realized, and this is really bad, hopefully in three or four years, we we have another chat and you say, what's your track record now? And I can report back something much better. But my track record for inspiration, like real, the kind of inspiration that really makes a difference is about 18 months. So, you know, another great example, I was living in Hawaii, finished my master's degree, had finally started the business. Business was going well. And I, for 18 months, I fought this inspiration that I needed to move back to the mainland and uh, for the purpose of meeting my husband. And I was like, uh-uh, I am not leaving Hawaii. You send him here. If you want, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done. Like, Hawaii is my place. I'm done. I have my life. It's perfect. You know, I'll be single the rest of my life if I need to be, but I am not leaving this paradise. And 18 months later, I finally act on this inspiration. There's a whole story to it, but uh, I get to where I, and I mean, I mean, I left that island kicking 
screaming. My claws were planted in. I mean, you it was a horrible, horrible departure. And I was bawling. I, you know, I just did not want to move. And that where I felt I needed to move to was freaking Washington, DC. Now I'm living in Hawaii at the time. Washington, DC is a very different energy. And I am like, they are going to eat me alive there. <laughs> you know, this is this is not going to be good for my uh, my whole like blissed out Zen state I've created for myself. And uh, well, I make that deal again. All right, all right, I'll move. I will move. God, I'm going to give it one year. And if I if I don't, you know, if I don't accomplish what it is, I I think I'm supposed to accomplish next. Then I'm back to Hawaii. So we make this deal. I moved to DC. Three weeks, 21 days after I got there, I met my husband and it was love at first sight. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I waited on this decision for 18 months. I could have met him so much sooner, but it was like, yeah. So my track record is horrible and I'm working to improve it, improve it, but it's, (laughs) it's like 18 months and it is kicking, screaming, fighting, negotiating. It's, it's all these deals. And I, why do I fight it? I've had so many good wonderful things happen from just listening when I finally listen and yet I still fight it. So probably well, let me break this down a little bit more because I have some thoughts. So you, so first of all, why were you in Hawaii in the first place? Getting my master's degree. And then I started okay. my first company, which was a social media management company there. Okay. So you, you graduated from college and you made the deal about, you, you got the, the job and you made the deal about the article. And uh-huh. then after that, you moved to Hawaii to get your master's. Yep. Yep. So I was kind of dabbling with some kind of freelance stuff. You know, again, I didn't know the whole entrepreneur experience that was available to me. So it was kind of figuring out like, maybe I'll be a freelance writer. Maybe that's what the thing is. So definitely starting to dabble and then uh, get to Hawaii, pursuing my master's degree, really probably just trying to figure out what my next step was. And education is always a good filler, <laughs> you uh-huh. know? And then, uh, and it, and obviously, I mean, who doesn't love to learn and, and grow in that way? So it was great. But I kind of knew the whole time, like, I this is kind of just my, what I'm filling my time with as I try to figure out what in the heck I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, finally started a social media management company after I graduated. Things were going great. And then this is inspiration hit. You're supposed to move. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> and how did that inspiration hit? Can you tell us a little bit more? Was that another, you know, in the middle of the night experience? Oh, well, you know, I'm just a big prayer, to be honest with you. Um, I, I mean, my true process is pretty boring. I literally get on my knees every night before bed and every morning when I wake up and I say a prayer. And now I'm a mom. So sometimes, you know, I escape the house. I wake up kind of early and I just go out by myself and I'll just pray while I walk, but just have a literal conversation. And Mm -hmm. I just pray, you know, I always start with gratitude and then um, whatever's on my mind, a challenge, usually with business, of course, business is full of challenges. How do I overcome this? What's my fastest path to you know, get through this, whatever situation. And, and then, um, yeah, that's it. I just listen. I do a lot of asking and a lot of listening. Yeah. I think this is so important. And we talk about this in all of our programs and with our clients and 
so often people are questioning what the next step is or how they handle something. And that's exactly what I recommend people do. You literally ask the question and then you listen for the answer. And everyone calls it something different. Some people call it prayer. Some people call it meditation. Some people say, you know, that's just their inner voice. But I believe that that like we have the answer is right there. And we do often make it far too difficult. And we forget that there is this resource that we can turn to that's within instead of looking for something outside of ourselves or following what somebody else is doing. And it's like this whole untapped like potential and process and and way of getting clarity. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And so you specifically heard, not only do you need to move, but you need to move to DC. Oh man. Yeah. So, so when I finally, you know, about halfway through that 18 month journey, I was like, all right, all right. You know, I guess I can move. I'll, you know, will it be California or LA? I I couldn't imagine anything (laughs) further East, you know, like, (laughs) um, that just seemed like if you live in Hawaii, that's kind of the, the edge of where you would move to because everything East is going to be a totally different energy, way too crazy. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, is it, I, I actually took a trip with one of my best girlfriends over to California and, and it, it just this feeling anyways, one day I just, I finally figured out, well, where am I supposed to move? California is not feeling like that's the place. And overwhelmingly, I mean, that that was a true voice that I heard. It was, you're going to DC. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> and so did you take the social media agency with you? Yeah. So I ended up, I actually had brought on a partner for that agency at the time. So she took the company and I restarted once I got to DC. And that's where we kind of, that's where I developed out what I would say was my first real, real, real business where I had a team, I had processes, I had manuals and SOPs and, you know, cause we were starting to work with a good number of clients. So that's where things got moved beyond me, meaning they moved beyond my time, my capacity, my skill sets. And I started developing services that I couldn't even execute, but that were needed by the market. And so that's where I feel like my real first business uh, was born and where it grew and, and where, you know, and that's the same business that eventually took us to where we're at today. We first grew it with a ton of services and then shrunk it down to just advertising and then changed the model of, of how we did it, you know. Uh, we served a lot of clients and then fewer clients with bigger budgets. And then now we're really focusing down to just the education model. So this company has had so many beautiful evolutions. But yeah, it all began when I finally made that that big move to D.C. And so when you say that you started to provide services that the market needed that you didn't actually know how to do, what does that mean? So people, you know, first we took on social media. I knew social media that felt really comfortable. And then our clients started asking, well, can you do SEO? Well, sure. You know, and I'm a yes girl, right? (laughs) Of course, I I suspect you are too. Yeah, we can do that. Of course we can do that. And then I'd scramble on the back end, like, who do I know that can do SEO really well and (laughs) trying to find the right team members. So I kind of started realizing or seeing that vision like, oh, this is how you build. This is how you build a business, not a freelance career, not a 
not a solopreneur career. This is how you build like a thriving business with employees and and you know, you develop a menu of services and you find team members who can do those and you manage them or eventually you find somebody to manage them. But it was mostly just saying yes to a bunch of stuff. And I think that really grew us to a certain point. And then I realized there's like an inflection point where saying yes becomes, saying yes gets you a lot. It gets you really, really far down the road. And then it becomes actually, what's the word? Like a a handicap, I guess, Mm -hmm. where saying yes totally cripples you. And then you need to start saying no. And that's where we're at right now. It's like the more we say no, the more we're able to grow and be focused. Uh, So yes was really an amazing tool. And now no is the tool that we lean on. So interesting. And in the beginning, where were most of your clients coming from? Well, I had some great network back in Hawaii. So we we definitely, uh, I had a lot of people that just heard about my reputation there who who came calling and, and asking for social media, which then of course developed into other things. Like I mentioned, the SEO or the, you know, web design, that sort of thing. Uh, and also just networking. I mean, I've never been afraid to get out locally. I heard this great quote once, uh, if you can't make a million dollars in your own zip code, then you have, you know, then you need to figure it out. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like you, everyone, right yeah. everyone should be able to make a million dollars in their own zip code. And sometimes I think, you know, you and I, especially, being so much in the online space, it feels like online, online, but holy cow, I signed a lot of clients just from getting out to the right networking meetings and and meeting people and talking about my services or, you know, picking up a phone and calling and saying, I'd love to work with your company. Could I come and present on what I think I could do to improve your whatever, your revenue, your right. team? Yeah. And so it's powerful. Yeah, I agree completely. And so, you know, at some point you you do have a lot of clients, you're doing the SEO services, the social media, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, we've already talked about a bit about giving yourself permission. What did it take for you to give yourself permission to pivot and to just focus Facebook ad, on Facebook ads? Was that a quicker pivot or did that still yeah. take the 18 months? <laughs> that took a little bit long. I mean, it was not as long as the 18 months and mostly it was it was helped along by burnout. And also uh, at the time I became a mother. So around this time in that journey of needing to start narrowing down, uh, I had just become a new mom. I gave myself a three-week maternity leave. And which is, by the way, anyone listening, that is not enough time. <laughs> Don't, I, you you are a strong woman. Yes, you absolutely are. My mindset was I'm stronger than the average bear. <laughs> I can do this. Yeah has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with that little baby who needs to eat every couple of hours. I just had no clue. So I took a three-week maternity leave. And one of the most powerful things happened in my business, I'm so grateful to this day for this really hard experience. I came back three weeks after this very short maternity leave. Leave. I had uh, uh, you know, a baby that had been in the NICU for one week of that. So I had this precious little baby at home. I had no clue. She was a preemie baby. She needed to eat all the time. Uh, you know, just different nutritional needs because her stomach was so tiny. And 
And I came back to what I thought would be this really expansive, beautiful, everybody just loves you and your new baby. And and that was not my experience. I came back to a hornet's nest of angry clients, absolutely furious clients. In that three weeks I was gone, almost everything broke. Now, what I did wrong was I had never... I had never really done longer than a couple of days of vacation. And so my team was trying their best, bless their hearts, but literally (laughs) they were like, we don't know. We have to wait till Tara comes back. So I come back to just a swarm of angry clients. And what happened was I started getting text messages. Hey, Tara, I know you're on maternity leave. I hate to, or I know you're, you know, just coming back from maternity. I hate to add this to your plate, but we have X, Y, and Z challenge, X, Y, and Z emergency, uh, you know, all this stuff. Like for some reason, everybody was mad about something. And I was in a situation where I've never been like this before. Uh, I had to tell all of them, I will fix your problem, but this could take me three to six weeks. And, you know, imagine a client business where you feel like people are, just constantly demanding things of you. And here I am telling them, you know, you're going to need to give me three to six weeks. And this beautiful thing happened. I I honestly thought we were losing the business. Everyone was so angry. And what actually happened was they said, okay, I'm really frustrated, but thank you for responding. And that sounds fine. And so in that moment, I realized, oh, this is, this is just this is just relationships. Like all I'm doing is this is all relationships. Like it's okay for a relationship to go off the, you know, like to go off track a little bit, as long as you tell people what's going on. And so everyone was really upset. And yet I didn't lose any one of those clients. And I thought I was losing all of them. For the first time in my business, I actually exhaled. You know, here I had been holding all of this on my shoulders. And I was like, oh, I get it. We can go through a really hard time. We can go through a really, you know, bad revenue month. We can go through all of these really tough obstacles. And you know what? This is business. You will go through those things and you can get through it. And I just, ever since that moment, I was so wound up. I mean, I've never been more stressed out in my whole life. And then when I didn't lose any of those clients, and even if I had, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. What I built was stronger than what I thought. It was also weaker than what I thought because, you know, I left for those three weeks and everything fell apart. Well, for my next maternity leave, I took four months and I came back to the most beautiful business. My team had actually grown it while I was away. So what I did differently was I learned that you have to kind of do these test runs. So I do two days away and a week away and 14 days away. We did so many test runs. And the first few times I did these test runs, well, there were problems. There were like little things that would break. We just say, okay, team, let's make a process for this so this doesn't happen. I do another test run. We did so many test runs that pretty soon they were running the thing just fine without me. In fact, probably better <laughs> than waiting around. Wow. What an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to break this down a little bit more for the listeners, but I mean, everything you said was brilliant. So how what was the period of time between the first baby and the second? So two years... Two, two-ish years. Let's okay. Because it was two. Yeah, two years. And so after the first one, I'm sorry, I forget her name. Haley. Uh, so Hazel's my oldest and then Hazel. Haley's my brand new one. 
So after Hazel, you had this amazing epiphany and experience around being able to exhale and recognizing you're not going to lose these clients. So what were some of the first steps that you took to start to transform the business in terms of the weaknesses that you had identified? Oh man. Well, first I had to get through that. And the first thing I realized was I have, you know, what do we have? 11 or 12 services at the time. Like I said, we were doing everything and I was scared to do it, but out of desperation, and I, I realized we've got to close down some of these services and focus only on what it is we want to focus on. So that's when we got rid of all the marketing stuff and we did a good job at it, but it was so much management. And I realized you know, maybe if it was a different season of life, I could have figured that out differently. But I was like, this has got to go or I really will lose everything because I cannot keep all these balls in the air. I hadn't put the right systems or team responsibilities in place for us to keep going like that for very long. So got rid of that. And that was scary, but fine. We basically... Our revenue at that point, just to anchor this in for anyone listening, I think we were doing about $30,000 a month in marketing and maybe it was even more. Maybe it was like 40. Anyways, it might have been like sixty to $70,000 a month in total services we were doing. So we got rid of like thirty dollars or $40,000 of those services. So I was, I was sweating bullets, but I was like, I can't keep running this how we were. And so we focused on the advertising side. And within three months, we had built the ad side up to where it had totally replaced the marketing side. So we're doing, you know, $60,000, $70,000 a month in ads um, in, in management fees. And so, was that through new clients or did your social media clients move into needing yep, Facebook ads? Yep, exactly. So some of them transferred over and some of them we just released because we, mm-hmm. it was just time. And so, um, so that, you know, that gave me a lot of confidence. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like we can, we can scale down or focus down to scale up. So that gave me a lot more confidence to be able to make some, some later adjustments in my business. But that was the first big one I made. I was so scared. But I realized that if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, you're going to be successful no matter what you do. If this all fell apart for me, Emily, I'd probably go open an Amazon store or Shopify. You know, like I would just do something else, but I have the skill set that would make me successful no matter what. So that was kind of that realization like, oh, it doesn't really matter what we do as long as we love it and we get good results. We know how to grow a business. That's actually the most important skill. Totally. And one of the things that comes to mind for me is um, David Nagel from the stage and I Heart My Life Live. And he was talking about the fact that the definition of wealth is not having money in the bank, but it's being able to create wealth whenever you want. And that's exactly what you're displaying here. Like we have such fatal thinking when it comes to our business, like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work. Everyone's going to die. Like the company's going to die. And you have to really follow that fear and recognize that if you know what you're doing, you'll just do it again and probably better, probably faster. You've built a network to help you build it back up. And so I think that when we look at things in that perspective, it makes it so much less scary when it is time to pivot or turn something off. I would even argue your first thing that you create is probably the hardest thing you will ever create or sell. Yeah. And that might not be the case for everybody, but that first thing does not have the experience, the refinement of 
what years of business will give you. So it's almost like if you're still stuck on that first thing, uh, you're probably making things a lot harder (laughs) than they need to be. Right. So it sounds like you started to give yourself permission quicker and quicker. You gave yourself permission to make the pivot, to shut this down, to turn off like half of your revenue because you knew that you needed to get focused. And so then what happened next? You rebuilt the company or you rebuilt Mm -hmm. that revenue um, through Facebook ads. And then what? And then we, and then I realized, you know, I love what we do for clients. I wish we could help all of these other entrepreneurs that are not in a place where they should be even considering hiring their ads. I always say, unless you're spending at least $5,000 a month, it makes zero financial sense to be hiring this stuff out. So I realized there was a gap. You know, I, I love, I'm, I don't know if I'm the best at it, but I love looking at the marketplace and saying, where's the gap? You know, or, or where is, uh, where are their products and services, but really crappy ones that I think I could improve. Right. And so for me, I saw a gap in the marketplace, tons of courses on Facebook ads and stuff like that. And I, I didn't even consider a membership model for a long time, but because there were so many courses and what, what I saw coming out of those courses was people booking in you know, $500 consultation calls with me and saying, I took so-and-so's course last year, but the algorithm changed or everything, you know, I don't even know where those buttons are anymore or this or that. And I was like, I see like these courses are giving people relevant information for a very small period of time. What happens is Facebook changes the algorithm. Literally, um, you know, we have reports of every six weeks that algorithm changes. So I I was like, well, where's the ongoing education that is actually good and <laughs> that actually gets results, that actually converts? Because I'll tell you, the way Facebook would have you run your ads is very beginner-friendly and very bad for your bottom line. I mean, it's just... You may as well just send them... You may as well just like literally burn up your own cash if you want. The way that they tell you to run ads is is just... It's awful. And so... You know, I was like, where's the relevant information for people who aren't in a place they should be hiring it out and who need ongoing education to keep up with this stuff? And that's where I, I realized, like, finally it hit me over the head. I was like, oh my gosh, I could create this. We could, we could have a membership, a monthly model. We tell people every month what they need to know. When that algorithm changes, we're there for them. And I think that, uh, I think it's a need that, that people are really, resonating with cuz cuz it's you know it's doing well so i feel like yeah i feel like that was kind of our next shift and and our bigger pivot there emily is you know being confident enough to just go all in on on that and and that's kind of where you know full transparency that's where we're at now is we've got our our client base but we're we're starting to we're starting to whittle that down a lot and just focus on those couple few clients who were really in deep with their business. They're spending a ton of money. So they need, you know, a really solid team who's there and not going to let anything fall through the cracks. And then we're focusing more and more on bringing this education to the bigger market. Mm, I love it. And you and I have talked about the fact that memberships are a whole different ball game. Oh, and man. so I'm sure that there was a learning curve for you guys. What oh, was that experience like? You know, memberships are definitely, uh, I mean, there's so many technical things we could get into and I'm, I'm still learning the business model. What I know about memberships is that I love the structure. 
I love it so much. I love the affordability factor. I love that in, you know, we have hundreds of case studies of, of people who come in and within 48 hours or the first week, they've completely turned around their lead generation experience. Maybe they were, you know, trying to wing it by themselves and they'll come in, learn the structure, get that system in place, and they're off to the races. So what I know is I love that. And then learning the whole business side of it has been the learning curve because you've got to consider your cash flow. So for example, let's say if it costs you, you know, $60 to acquire, and hopefully this will be helpful because I'm I know some of your listeners have or are considering membership models. But if, for example, let's say it costs you $60 to acquire a new member, uh, but they pay $30 a month. Well, that means you're not going to recoup your acquisition cost on that until you know, until they've been a member for two months. So you wouldn't see any profitability on that until month three or four. Now I'm just using fictitious numbers, but that's the kind of business model we've had to learn. Like, oh, you've got this whole cash flow thing and you're you're counting on future, um, you know, I, you're counting on like their future retention, your your future retention of them. So it's been interesting. It's been a real learning curve, but I, it's been cool too. I mean, there's a lot of challenges to it and I love a good challenge. So, you know, here's a good challenge for anyone with memberships. How can you have break even or even a little bit of profitability on month one? What do you need to do to be able to achieve that? So that way, you know, then if your retention is four, six, eight months, it's all profit after that. So there's a lot to unlock there, but that's been the fun challenge we've we've been working on. Yeah. And I think one of the other challenges is the volume because, you know, when we deal with higher, higher priced clients and packages and and fewer people, that's one thing. But then when you get into hundreds of people paying small amounts, potentially wanting to cancel all of that, like it's just a whole different ballgame in terms of metrics and tracking and bookkeeping. Yeah, absolutely. And the messaging, I mean, there's a marketing challenge there as well of, of, being affordable and yet the the perception of very high value. Right. So if you were a course, you know, you would be a $2000 course. Uh so how do you break that down to where the perception is that yeah, you are that value and yet you're also very affordable. So I think there's a lot of really interesting marketing challenges with memberships. Every model has its own little things you get to unlock, right? But that's that those are some of the ones for membership models. So if anyone is listening and you have a membership model, I'm sure you're you're knee deep in in figuring out those things for yourself as well. Yeah. And like you said, all this stuff, it takes time. And I think so often for entrepreneurs, we are chopping and changing. We're getting another bit of inspiration every single day. We have a creative idea that we want to want to put in place. And I think what you're illustrating so beautifully is also this element of we, we need to build on the stage before and we need to per- perfect is not the right word, but we need to really understand the market and build on what we've created and not consistently go from one thing to the next. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that everyone listening is, is getting that because you have developed a consistency and it's not always going to be easy. It very rarely is. But as you learn more and you grow, then you tweak and you perfect and you go to the next level. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And it takes... You know, I really believe you have to commit to things for years because the first time somebody hears about it, 
Yeah. You know, like you might get a few little bites, but you've got to bring that message home over and over and over again for, you know, years to gain that momentum. I loved, I I won't share the name of who I'm thinking of because I, I can't uh, speak to the exact numbers. I can't remember what the exact numbers were. Very well-known entrepreneur though was speaking recently and said that his first launch of what is now a wildly popular product was $30,000. Next launch, 60, you know, like, and, and now it's, uh, it's, it's definitely above $5 million per launch, but those, he had to bring that messaging home over and over and over again, keep talking about it, keep sharing the testimonials and the case studies before he gained that real momentum. So if you launch something three or four times and you give up on it, it does not sound like a good strategy to me. Right. And I think sometimes people are trying to get their feet wet and figure out what it is that they actually love. That is um, and at the same time, the question I always ask myself is if this was wildly successful, if this did eventually bring in the $5 million, would it? Would I love it? And oh, sometimes just that simple tweak... Good. Yeah, it helps you get clear around like, is this an issue right now because I'm not seeing the results I want? Or is it an issue because it's not in alignment? Holy cow, Emily, that is an amazing question. That is so good. I love that question. Yeah. And and I just think it's so beautiful that you've also um, illustrated for people that it's so important to fall in love with the challenge. Because like you said, it's not always going to be a home run the first time. It very rarely is. And we have people who are just now buying from us six years later. And I'm like, it doesn't take me six years to make a decision, but I know for some people it does. And that tells me something like, number one, how can we improve our marketing? And number two, it just takes that repetition for some people. Yeah, totally. I... Love that. You you really do. When you develop whatever your product or service is, you kind of get married to it, you know? So you need to well, I shouldn't say marriage because I feel like marriage is forever and and definitely <laughs> we we shift our products and services, but you develop a really good long-term friendship with it, let's say. So so you need to kind of be committed to it for the long haul. Totally. And one of these pieces I'd love to ask you about, Tara, is about challenge. Because I know for me, for so many years, I was resistant to challenge. And I mm-hmm. thought that I could like positive my th- positive think myself away from challenge and that it wouldn't be a part of our process or our business. And that's absolutely not the truth. If I had one word for last year, it would be chaotic. I've already told you this. <laughs> and full of challenge. Um, and so how did you start to develop a love of challenge? Or at least it, it, we don't even have to say love, but like not be in resistant to resistance to it. Oh, well, all that journey that that we just talked about. And thank you for pulling that out of me. I've, I've not shared hardly any of that ever, um, Emily. So that was that was really fun. I hope that it doesn't get too windy for people to figure out. But all of that story definitely, you know, brought me to a place where honestly, it was that thing. It was that moment when everyone was mad at me and I thought I was losing my business. And it was kind of like, Oh crap. And then what would I do? And I was like, Oh, okay. I just rebuild something else. And then I didn't lose the business. And I just felt like I exhaled. I just realized, Oh, it is totally fine to think it's all going to fall apart. It is totally fine. And if it had, that would have been fine too. You know, if I really had lost all of my clients, that would have been fine too. I would have, I would have gone on and done something else, but it was just that realization. I kind of feel like you kind of just have to almost lose it all. And then you get to that place where you're like, 
oh, I'm still the same person. I would just rebuild it. I've got all these skills. It's all right. And for those of you who haven't experienced a moment like that, I mean, you probably will. And I'll say this too. Hopefully you will for your own sanity. I hope you do because it will make everything so different for you. (laughs) And then you'll realize that you are an entrepreneur that can build anything you want and that you have it all inside of you to be successful no matter what you're doing. So if you have one product or service that fails, it doesn't matter. You're an entrepreneur. You're going to figure something else out to do. So I would just say it was, it was that moment for me. Yeah. Now I feel really cozy with it. It's like, oh, you know, whatever challenge. Oh, crap. Revenue wasn't very good last month. Let's look at our metrics. Um, there's some real practical things you need to do. Budget, metric, cash flow analysis, alerting your team if it looks really dire. You know, I wouldn't recommend hiding this stuff from your team, but you want to give them like fair warning, number one, to contribute and number two, to start planning for their future uh, if they need to. So if things look really bad, you need to, you need to, there's just like some leadership things you've got to do. Mm-hmm. But, and would you say, so, you know, when we had the conversation around the resistance around the 18 months and not moving forward with those decisions <laughs> as quickly, would you say that you've developed more trust within yourself and that inner guidance to act quicker at this point? My timeline is still the same, but I feel more, but I sit with it longer, but I feel conf- more confident if that makes sense. So it's more like the, the, uh, like that clawing feeling of my soul has gone away. But the, um, oh man, I've got to make a change. <laughs> I tend to sit with it longer, but more peacefully. Interesting. So my timeline is still, unless I'm being forced by desperation, such as in the case with my first maternity leave, which was pure, like, whoa, this is getting really intense. And I do not have the emotional bandwidth for this. Uh, so that was pure, like practicality. I got to move fast right now. Otherwise, if I have time, I still sit on the log for a really long time. (laughs) Do you like that about yourself? That's a good question. I don't know. I think I'm comfortable with that about myself. But if I could magically change it, I probably would. Mm. I think we'll have a conversation about that (laughs) next time we meet. So what would you say for those new entrepreneurs? Because I know that... that well, why don't you tell us, Tara, who is your specialty? Who do you love to work with in the membership? Oh, gosh. Our members range from... I mean, all different business models and revenue. Uh, you know, revenue ranges too from people who, brand, who are brand new, people who have $5 million businesses, but very offline and they're looking for new lead generation channels. So I feel like our best member. Um, Our best members are the ones who just like to learn and get in there and figure it out. And and even if they're scared, it's like within two hours, they know if they just go through it and and put this system in place, they're going to see results. Those are my favorite people. So what would you call that? Gritty. I like the Mm. people with grit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That figure it out attitude and they're willing to go into it even when the fear is there for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Those are our favorite clients as well. 100%. And so when you have your, um, when someone comes into your program, I personally experienced it. We've sent clients your way as well. And I know I can attest for how incredible it is. Um, When you send people into the program, what is some of the things that surprises them about Facebook ads that maybe they wouldn't have learned otherwise? They get totally addicted. It is (laughs) very addicting. Um, So 
you know, spending money at first is scary if you haven't done it. But when you see, so uh, the best example here is our offline clients, right? Maybe they they're doing mailers to zip codes. You know, you mailing out postcards or something. You kind of don't know the 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 reach of that for a few months because it's like you know, three months later, somebody calls you, Hey, I, I saw your thing and I put it in my drawer and I just pulled it out. So when you get into digital marketing, specifically Instagram, Facebook ads, Google ads, LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever the ad platform, and you start seeing results come in literally, I launched an ad this morning and within an hour I had five leads. Okay. So that's the kind of like addiction that you get. It's like, oh, I just want to refresh this all day <laughs> Yeah, and watch these leads come in. And then you can see them go through your email sequences and, oh, they opened it and, oh, they clicked on the call to action. I just think that stuff is so addicting. And people, that's the best surprise is when somebody's like, I can't believe I actually love this and I never want to outsource it. We often have to kick people out of the nest and be like, you're spending $10,000 a month. You are booked like crazy. It's time. <laughs> you need to you need to give this over to someone. They're like, oh, it's so fun. It's the best part of my business. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing to hear because I've personally dabbled in Facebook ads and couldn't wait to outsource that. But I also know, <laughs> I also know that financially, it's, it's a big decision and consideration yeah. for people. And like for you said, sure. unless you're spending a certain amount, you should not be spending money on outsourcing it most oh. likely. And so I love that you have this alternative for people at that stage. Yeah, thank you. It's so fun. Oop, it's so fun. Awesome. So my final question for you is something that we ask all of our guests. I'd love for you to share one way in which our audience and our listeners can create a life that's better than their dreams. Oh my goodness. There are so many ways to this. Uh, and Emily, I mean, listen to Emily. <laughs> like, <laughs> Listen to your story. Your story is so inspiring and how you moved from Ohio to London and met James and just everything about it. You definitely had the Elsa frozen yep. to like, <laughs> thing oh, going yeah. on. So I, and kind of going with that theme, like you got to just, you got to follow those calls uh, to the letter and ideally don't wait on them like I do. Don't take the the 18 months. They always serve me well, but I sit on them longer than I should. Just figure out about yourself how to get brave and do things that you feel called to do. And that seems really simple, but don't you think, Emily, that's what makes all the difference? Totally. And I think we're given these desires and these little whispers and callings for a reason. And a lot of people think, oh no, I could never do that. Or that's not possible for me. But I believe that it's a part of you. And so you already have the ability there. And if you don't know the answer, you will figure out the how and you can yes. find people to help you. And so I think there needs to be a, an element of trust there that when we start to get that calling, we trust ourselves enough and trust, trust it that it's the truth. And we take that action. Oh. You said it better than I ever could have. <laughs> this is why you do what you do. <laughs> awesome, Tara. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. I know that people are going to hugely benefit from hearing your words and seeing everything that you've achieved. And honestly, I'm so inspired by what you've created. And even that nugget around doing the test runs for those of us who don't mm -hmm. yet have children, but have businesses and are wondering, like, how in the world do we do that? That's yes. a huge takeaway for me. 
I'm so happy. Yes, yes, yes. That honestly, everybody do a test run. Just start. Actually, they're really fun to do as well. You'll get used to it and then you'll be looking forward to your next one. Well, yeah. And I mean, everyone wants to take more time off. So whether you're having a baby or not, like do your test runs. Thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) Awesome, Tara. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Emily. I hope you loved today's episode. Honestly, it was one of my absolute favorites. I love Tara. I love her story and the way in which she told it. And honestly, she said she hasn't actually shared it in that way ever before. So we got the special story. We got to hear all the dirt. And I'm so, so grateful for her time. So if you were looking for someone to support you in your own Facebook ads and you're not ready to hire a specialist, definitely check out Tara's Successful Ads Club. I send all my clients her way. So go to bit.ly. IHML Tara, T-A-R-A, and get more information about joining that program. They have a special opportunity for you to get in for a tiny amount of money just to try it out. So there's really no reason not to do at least that. And then I'm sure you're going to love it. You're going to be feel fully supported and get all the information you need about your own Facebook ads. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.